If you've been following the news this weekend, you know there's been a number of... Well, I'd say it's the alarm being sounded. Uh, This weekend, the new head of the Alberta Medical Association, Dr. Paul Parks, took to Twitter, telling Albertans that uh, pediatric chemotherapy is being delayed in some instances due to a lack of space. Surgeries are being postponed in some cases repeatedly. Uh, Hospitals are running at 150% capacity in some areas, namely Edmonton. Uh, We've got gridlocked ERs with incredible wait times. As you know, we had a ER doc on the air with us last week talking about the Stollery Children's Hospital in Edmonton and how, you know, the wait time is averaging about 12 hours, which, you, you know, and Dr. Parks made a really good point that, you know, if you're talking the average being 12 hours, that means there's some people in there 20, 24 hours, right? I mean, that's how averages work. So it's it's not working, ladies and gentlemen. It's not working. And like I say, I've had I've had doctors reach out to me more in the last couple of weeks, last month or so, than at any time since the height of COVID uh, to tell me that we need to be talking about the crisis that we're in right now. And they're, they're not being alarmist. They're not, you know, they're not saying, oh, my, they're just saying this is the situation that we're dealing with every day. And people need to know what's going on. The state of things in Alberta hospitals is probably as bad as it's been. Maybe during the pandemic it was different. I don't know. But let's get another year and look at what is really a key issue in the province of Alberta. Canada, to be honest, but um, and that is the issue of healthcare. Our most trusted insider on this front is Dr. Shazma Mathani, an emergency physician at the Royal Alec and Stollery Children's Hospitals um, in Edmonton. Uh, Dr. Mathani, thanks so much for joining us. I really do appreciate your time, as always, today. Thanks for having me today. Those details that were given to us by uh, Dr. Paul Parks on the weekend, you know, if, if we take a look at 2023 in healthcare in sort of the rearview mirror, pretty hard to say that things have gotten any better. In fact, have they gotten worse? What's your assessment? Um, I, I do feel that they've gotten worse. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we did this year end about a year ago. We, I've come on, come on the show in between that time. And I think when we talked about a year ago, I was hopeful for what the future was looking, was looking like and what the future of healthcare and, and system improvement was looking like. And I have to say that, uh, certainly right now, um, it is worse than it was a year ago. Uh, and like Dr. Park said, the, the acute care system is bursting at the seams right now. Is this um, seasonal? Is this temporary? Is this somewhat expected, maybe worse than expected, but or, or is this totally extraordinary what we're seeing in hospitals right now today? I think it's the latter. Um, you know, the seasonal aspect of it certainly is contributing, but we've had uh, crisis after crisis continue to just build one on top of another. Um, you know, we have the lack of primary care um, for Albertans, we have the drug poisoning crisis that you and I have talked about before. Now we have this respiratory virus season, and we have people who just continue to get sicker and sicker without any um, changes or mitigation measures put into place to help try to bolster the healthcare system. And so this is where we are right now. Give us a, we always come to you and say, what's going on? What's happening? You run an ER, you run a couple of them actually, the Royal Alec and the Stollery in Edmonton. So you're on the front lines day after day after day. What's going on? How, what is the situation like for you as you try and manage this crush of patients that we're seeing? Yeah, so I actually worked at the Stollery last week, and then I worked at the Royal Alex over the weekend. So I have, like, a fresh memory of both of them and can tell you exactly what's been going on in both. Um, you know, I know Dr. Hannesick spoke with you last week about yeah. what's going on at the Stollery. I, I can support everything that he's saying. We haven't seen wait times like this, um, honestly, in my career. We're, it's not unusual now to have 40 to 50 kids waiting in the waiting room there. Um, you know, we had kids getting treatments out in the waiting room, kids on oxygen in the waiting room, like very sick kids that were waiting 
for care in the emergency department because because the people that we're seeing are so much sicker, we're having more people admitted. Um, and that means that we have less space to care for people. And, in the, and that's why we're seeing kids wait longer. And, and having just worked on the weekend um, at the Royal Alex uh, in the adult world, seeing the exact same thing. Uh, it's been pressure uh, in the adult world, I would say, for longer, where it's not unusual for us to see waiting rooms 50 to 60 people now for Jeez. several weeks, if not a couple of months now, where, again, like people are getting sick in the waiting rooms. Um, our acute care pe- capacity with the general internal medicine, which is the you know um, most common service that people are admitted to, is has been at 150% or more capacity now for over a year. And so when we're in a situation like that where... Uh, the words are full, of course, that crunch is felt in the ER. And then every single patient that actually happens to get a space because the spaces are limited is very sick. Um, so we're just seeing a much higher number of sick people and people continue to be in the waiting room um, with with serious illnesses. And overlying all of that, as you mentioned, Shay, is this respiratory virus yeah. season. I can't tell you how much influenza A I've seen. It's, it's just um, I've never seen it this bad before in terms of how much flu is floating around and how much that's bringing people into hospital. Dr. Bethany, what? okay, so we, we've got hospitals operating 150% capacity, you and Dr. Parks talking about ICUs that are full. That's it. They're, they're just, so, I mean, people will get sick to the point they need ICUs. So so what are your options as a doctor at that point? I know you're not turning people away. So, so, So what do you do? How do you manage it? Yeah, of course, we'll never turn anybody away. Uh, we're trying to do what we can to just honestly like MacGyver things and to try to um, be innovative in the space that we have. We're seeing people in hallways, um, you know, at the at the university hospital last week when I was pistolary on the adult side and on the pediatric side, the resuscitation rooms, which are meant for one person. We were double bunking people in there. The ICUs are now double bunking on the pediatric and the adult side. So we're trying to make space where space doesn't exist just so that we can continue to take care of sick patients. The Premier, uh, infamously about a year ago, a little more than a year ago now, said it's going to be bumpy for 90 days as she sets out to reform the AHS system and, and healthcare in Alberta and make things better. Um, obviously, it's been bumpy for a lot longer than 90 days. Um, are, are you seeing anything? Is anything happening that can sort of give you a glimmer of hope? Do you think we're on the right path in any area, or are you just sort of, this is just more of the same? You know... I haven't seen anything yet. There's um, there, there's a lot of uh, talk from the Minister of Health about a longitudinal family practice uh, stabilization program. Uh, you know that should I would love to have seen that yesterday. Um, the sooner that comes, the better because starting to stabilize primary care is really going yeah. to help uh, take the pressure off acute care. But then now we're in the situation where acute care also needs stabilization. So um, I know that that's something that the Minister of Health has been uh, talking about publicly as well. And so. Stabilization is key. Um, I know that there's um, reform that's coming, but reform can't happen until until we can stabilize acute care and primary care because it's simply just um, so stretched right now that, that there's no level of innovation that can take place anymore when the system has gotten to this point. That that leads me to a question I wanted to ask, and I don't know if there's an answer. There may not be. Um, how do we fix this? How like and, and you know we've got the AHS reformation and all the rest, and we're talking about two year timelines and some that that doesn't help us. We need something now because it's only going to get worse over the holidays. We all know that. Is there anything? Is, is there anything, doctor? That and it, you know you're there. You, you're you're living this. Is there something that can be done? A lever that can be pulled that might make this better for you this month? 
I mean, everybody really should be getting their flu shots with the, the amount of influenza A that we're seeing and the amount of people that are coming into the emerge, whether they're getting admitted or not. That is a huge pressure on the system right now. So getting, you know, I would love to hear from AHS and Alberta Health uh, to encourage people to get their flu shots. I'm certainly saying it every single day on my social media channel. So the flu shot, I think, will make a huge difference right now during our acute respiratory season where we haven't even reached the peak yet. Um, that'll make an immediate difference. Uh, and then um, it's it's honestly hard to think of any other immediate differences yeah. right now because that this has been an ongoing pressure. I mean, you and I have talked about this a ton. We're doing this ongoing mounting pressure, and now we need to start like actually having action from from a stabilization standpoint, but also from a long term planning standpoint. Um, you know, I know Dr. Hannes had talked to you about this last week as well. When we think about things like healthcare planning um, and resource planning, this is stuff that needs to be decided years in the past to have an impact now, right? When we're talking about increasing human healthcare resources, when we're talking about increasing infrastructure um, and space, these are all decisions that the decisions that were made five to 10 years ago are what we're feeling right now. Yeah, And exactly. so, um, yeah, Band-Aid solutions, I mean, we're starting to run out of them. Please get your flu shot. Please stay home if you're sick. Um, and hopefully we can see some, some stabilization immediate stabilization action for primary care and acute care from uh, the premier and the minister. And then beyond that, um, some, some commitment to, to a medium and long-term plan on what we can do to start fixing things and to prevent this from happening again. One of the things as they've talked about reforming healthcare in the province that they've talked a lot about, and I've been really, really pleased to hear them talk about so many times at the government level I'm talking about here, is consulting with the frontline workers, people like you, sitting down with people like you and saying, hey, listen, what are the issues? How do we fix them? What are your ideas? Has that happened? Have you had anybody reach out to you? I mean, you're probably one of the more prominent ER docs in the province, if not the most. Has someone sat down with you and said, hey, hey, Dr. Matheny, what are you seeing? What, what's going on? How can we make this better? Yeah, I mean, I'm having, I'm having conversations with people uh, people often about this okay, that are good. in leadership positions. And, um, you know, Dr. Parks um, is often having, like, he's an emerge doc as well, right? Yeah, so he's having that, conversations yeah. um, with uh, uh, with his uh, role in, with the Alberta Medical Association as the president, having conversations with these people as well. And and I think that there is a commitment to, to get more information and, and really understand what it's like on the front lines. Um, but being brought up to speed takes some time. And right now, um, time is something that unfortunately we don't really have. We're like right in the thick of it right now. Yeah, exactly. Now it's just sort of trying to survive, which brings me to my last question. How are you doing? We just, we just spoke with a doctor who has connections with physicians in Gaza and they were talking about the horrific situations there. And I'm not drawing any parallels in terms of what you're seeing on a daily basis. Of course, it's night and day, but the underlying theme of helplessness, hopelessness, overwhelming, like, uh, we can't do this, we can't do this, we can't keep this up. There's got to be some of that in your ERs, doctor. There has to be like, holy cow, we can't sustain this. I mean, are you starting to, I mean, we've been talking about this for a few years now, Dr. Methan. I mean, how are you mm -hmm. holding up under this? I mean, it comes in waves, right? I, um, we're certainly, we've been feeling it for so long now. We've been feeling it for three years now. It started with the pandemic and then that ongoing pressure has just continued since then where um, it's like it's demoralizing to, to come to work where all you want, to, especially in the emergency department and the ICUs, where, where you're committed to helping very sick people. And when you don't have the resources and the system support to help those sick people, it's, um, it's crushing to your soul to, to not be able to help people in the way that you are trained to um, and that you want to be able to because of 
challenges that are out of your control. So it's 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 a constant pressure that's that's happening every shift. And um, I think most of us have gotten to the point where we know that we can only do what we can do. But even that in and of itself is um, is injuring to us because what we what we can do is not what the full capacity of what we want to be able to do sometimes. Um, what I saw some reports this weekend that a good percentage of people who show up in the ER wait for as long as they can and then they give up and then they leave and they walk out. Uh, that has to be feeding into that sentiment that you just talked about, right? Like when you, a patient came in, they needed help, they wanted help, and then they gave up because they couldn't get it. That's got to just feed into that feeling you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, and that's like the scariest piece of it when... You know, when I come onto a shift, the first thing I do is I check what the department looks like, and then I check what the waiting room looks like. I look at the list on the computer and just have a general, like, we always try to have a general sense of what's in the waiting room, but when the department is busy and then the waiting room is busy, it's, it's very easy to um, not be able to keep track of that anymore when we have sick patients coming in one after another. And the constant concern throughout the shift for us is what's happening in the waiting room. Is somebody um, getting worse? Is somebody getting fed up and leaving and then going home to get worse? Um, and those are things that we think about a lot and and aren't in a position um, to be able to to do anything about uh, at present time. Yeah, I, I can't imagine uh, what you see on a daily basis. Dr. Metheny, we're, we're really glad you're there and that you come here and tell us what's happening. And uh, all the best of the holiday season to you. And we'll check in in the new year. Thank you so much.